Podcast, and I'm Howard Cunnington. Today, I am actually co-hosting with my dad, my hero, Mr. Francis Ampuso. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so many of you have not had a chance to meet my dad, but um, of all the people that have been most influential as a man in my life, your dad really is, and my dad has set the bar very high. Uh, by being an incredible dad. Now, I don't want you to get caught up in that I don't have a great dad, so I can't relate because I want you to know his story is not one that was rainbows and uh, cupids jumping on clouds. In fact, he had to fight hard to become a dad that he never had. But what I do want to encourage you in is that you can have a father-daughter relationship. And for those of you that have maybe a daughter and a husband, I want to encourage you with the thought that this could actually be their relationship and you could be nurturing something really powerful in their own lives. But before I preach, I want to just say <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. I always am honored that you give us a few minutes of our time and this podcast is really directed in a normal conversation about real life, uh, mom, women, ministry, uh, how a working mom does her life. And today we're gonna take a bit of a, well, not a hard left, but kind of a soft left toward a different kind of topic. But I first of all wanna just introduce you to my dad and uh, maybe just show you a little bit about him. So dad, thanks for coming. You're welcome, it's a joy to be here. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm doing awesome, actually. You're doing good. Yes. Um, you know, Dad, what's amazing is that uh, you are, you know, as long as I can remember, you've been a communicator. Mm -hmm. And I grew up as a minister's kid. I talk about this when I preach, but I, initially you were a traveling minister mm -hmm. on the road, right. and then you transitioned to pastoring. Maybe give everybody a bit like a two-minute sure. uh, bio of yourself and what you've done. Well, I got um, saved in 1972, came out of the hippie uh, counterculture rebellion, came across the country in a hippie van, got saved hitchhiking uh, through Northern California, went to uh, a little country church with a friend and got dramatically, radically converted in a revival called the Jesus Movement, uh, was ordained an evangelist within six months. It was such a unique time where literally low-hanging fruit uh, in this little remote country church of 200 people in the town, 15 people every weekend getting saved for months. We thought it was um, just commonplace, and yet it was a unique season. Uh, so within... And that was the Jesus movement. For, so there's a few people that are listening to this that have never heard of that or don't quite know what that was. What was the Jesus well, movement? Well, it's probably about 3 million people being saved over a few years in the late 60s, early 70s. 3 million. 3 million. Uh, in a hundred nations of the world, primarily among young people, um, many of them involved in some level of seeking, um, kind of got distracted by Eastern religions, but the, the tug of Jesus certainly pulled us out of that reality or lack of reality so that, into reality. So that season was drug, sex, rock and roll, right. free love, doesn't yeah, Woodstock, matter. Woodstock, the whole deal. Which left people... Which left people genuinely wanting something more than the materialistic, shallow culture of that age, which every age has is that, has that, to look for something more profound and deeper. And so uh, that whole counterculture, obviously, it sums it up. You're going against the cultural norms. Candidly, a lot of it was rebellion. A lot of it was, you know, hedonism, was doing your own thing. Right. But there was a remnant, a group that were rescued out of it, myself included. I'm still amazed by it. It was my mother, your grandmother's prayers, 
I got saved on Mother's Day. Amazing. Uh, she had not seen me in nine months. Last time she saw me, uh, I would laugh at her as she prayed over her food. So I was an in-your-face atheist, then transitioned into Eastern religions, but just a mystical kind of a cosmic consciousness. Uh, I'm God kind of a deal. When I walked into that church, I thought I was more like God than, yeah. than needing Jesus. And do you think that... I mean, so you being a pastor, and that's kind of what I want our listeners to hear is like, you weren't a pastor type. You weren't straight laced. I'm going to go do right. this. That's all I've ever known. You were raised in a Catholic environment, right? but you didn't have a heart for God. No, I became an atheist at 15. Again, as you know, my background, my father was in politics. My twin brother and I were born late in life. He didn't have time for us. One away to summer camp from 5 to 14, didn't live at home at all in the summer. Then during the school year from 11 years old, lived in boarding schools, never lived at home again. So became every, very angry toward my father, wrote a book on that, uh, and also then became an atheist at 15. Uh, and so by the time I hit university all five years, I was an atheist in your face. If you had a smile, God likes you or loves you, button on, I would mock you. And so I was an angry, embittered guy um, who really got to the end of my rope, living with a girl in college, had an abortion with a couple of girls, wound up then um, becoming suicidal when that relation, one of the relationships went south uh, and was in the hippie van as a broken guy with my twin brother, best friend, a girl I lived with. Uh, they didn't know what to do with me as I went across the country, suicidal. By the time I got from New York to California, uh, they dropped me off in Sacramento, went to Hawaii for six months, and then coming back from Hawaii is when I was hitchhiking through Northern California, got saved, dramatically, radically converted, delivered really from demonic entities that I used to worship. And because of the profoundness of that, and there was a gift and call in my life, I was ordained an evangelist for uh, six months after I received the Lord. Uh, your mom, ironically, the same time I was uh, walking the streets the night before, I'd be put on a plane by my friends to go to Hawaii. Your mom, in the same town in Northern California, was being baptized in water, baptized in the Spirit. Um, I did not know her, of course, uh, but as we chronicle the dates, um, she was getting saved when I was getting lost, if you will, yeah. and, and getting further away by myself to have to, as the plane took off in Sacramento, uh, tears coming down my face, I said, I'm either going to meet God or die. And then six months later, I did. I think what's profound about your story and something that I value is this idea of people being radically saved and yeah. that God is not just uh, an addition to our lives. He's not just something that we throw in because it's the right thing to do, but Jesus saves, you know, back to Jesus saves. He came to save yeah. that which we're yeah. lost. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes when I when I go and preach somewhere or teach somewhere, sometimes I'll bring your story up because something in the room, people need to know that Jesus is in the business of saving. He's yeah. not just in the business of keeping our lives great. Yeah. That's the outcome of living a godly life. But ultimately, he's still radically saving people. And yes. I think what's critical is knowing that if you don't have someone in your life that's been radically saved, whether it's a parent, yeah. a spouse, your own self, you need to get around somebody who has come from dark to light yeah. and have that light, that story in your world yeah. because it reminds us of what he does. There's a difference between common and normal. It is common now for a level of mediocrity in people's relationship to the Lord. 
that isn't necessarily passionate and vibrant and exciting, but that doesn't mean it's normal. Normal uh, is the book of Acts. That's right. normal Christianity. And so I got saved at a radical time. I thought it would be commonplace. It wasn't. Um, as kind of the glory departed, if you will, and we gradually realized uh, that revival, uh, easy believism, if you will, was not going to last forever. Low-hanging yeah. fruit. You'd have to climb the tree to get to the fruit. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, you stop walking by the feelings. I and mean, I was high the first month I got saved. Yeah. I thought I was going to come down. I thought that was Christianity. You're gonna now a new high. I'm going to be high for Jesus. And then I came down, had to learn to walk by faith, yeah. had to stand on the word of God, not my feelings, and gradually grow up as a, a man of God and not uh, someone tossed about um, by my emotions. And so even in this age, really what God's looking for, and that's why I'm, I'm so excited about you and Deborah and uh, just this generation of young people that are really carving out a passionate relationship with God, that you guys are the leaders for your generation. Yeah. I'm curious, did you see yourself as an evangelist? Did you have signs of being an evangelist before you were an evangelist? Yeah. I mean, my heart was, let's go talk to people. Let's go find people. Because I was so ecstatic about being rescued. I just wanted to rescue other people. Um, and I didn't have great methodology. I mean, yeah. so, uh, literally within nine months, sweetheart, I was taking three, uh, two people out in the morning, two people out in the afternoon to share on the streets. So every day, that was my assigned role in a community that began to develop businesses, but I was set apart as a trainer to train people how to share their faith. But you, you when, before you got saved, you were an evangelist on your college campus. Yeah, well, Not was, for the I, good stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, unfortunately, I'm embarrassed about various things. I talk people into doing drugs. Uh, you know, I talk people out of moral purity. Uh, I chanted with Hare Krishnas and Waikiki. I mean, uh, there was... Um, unfortunately, a gift to communicate, a gift to motivate. Someone said, you know, you'd be good at starting a riot. You know, I had a, a <laughs> grace in my life to inspire people. But um, yeah, you can, again, one of the major leaders in our culture, many of them have gifts from God that are being used on the dark side yeah. and not on God's. I, I believe that. And I think sometimes we can want to be a different person when we get saved, we assume, oh, I need to be better than I was, so I'm going to be a different person. And the truth is, everything that we have is redeemable, and God can God can actually structure that to where we're not denying who we authentically are, but he's making it to, to use for his kingdom. You know, that's the wonderful thing. I love, with you, you use your entire story. Your story was not roses and flower petals mm -hmm. and easy. You know, you I grew up watching you, right. obviously, as a young lady facing many challenges in school, learning disabilities, yep. um, you know, insecurities that any teenager goes through, um, and then plowing through those things, learning uh, who you were, and beginning to use some of the things that others would call setbacks as really stepping stones to go into the ministry God's given you. You are, are attracting people who are watching this mother of four who's had struggles and issues, is facing lots of challenges with four young boys, and yet you don't let those things define you in terms of being negative, but I'm going to do this, I'm going to raise godly kids, I'm going to have a healthy marriage, and yet I have a call in my life to minister, and I'm going to minister for God. But you, you keep all the, the tension of that and the margin 
in all those areas. I love how you do that and are constantly making mid-course corrections. Constantly. Constantly, yeah. <laughs> most, most often when I feel like the, the, the ship is going down. <laughs> mayday, mayday. Um, you know, it is, it is not easy. I think anyone who's listening to this knows life is not easy. Right. You know, no one has it easy. No one's living in a glass house and going, this is so easy. Um, one of my favorite things to, I think, to tell people, but also things that I've realized is that nobody has it easy. Right. And when, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have it harder than somebody else. Cause right. I do think people have things that are just harder. They're, yeah. you know, you, you, you came out, you know, started the world with a massive setbacks that some people did not but in general, um, we all need a savior. We all are on a journey of saying, I can't save myself. I've left to my own devices. I would be emotionally mentally, spiritually, financially, um, you know, physically bankrupt because there's, you know, the Bible says that our soul has, it's, it's feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And there's this like uh, enormous hunger for more that almost leads us to gluttony and then eventually to just depression, discouragement, anxiety, because we've had, we've tasted everything and nothing seems to satisfy. I think that there's something about eating quality versus quantity. Mm -hmm. When we get the quality food, we may go without of other things, but when you have the quality, you stay nourished. And junk food keeps you not, it keeps you satisfied for a bit, but it leaves you wanting and hungry and overwhelmed and overweight, even in our hearts. So what I really want to talk about is something that you and I really started almost a year ago. We started a journey of, um, let's talk about raising up other communicators. Let's talk about empowering other communicators. And I lived in a home of a communicator. I talk about this in my own world, but um, I didn't set out wanting to be a speaker or be a preacher or be a communicator. That wasn't in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But as I had the same encounter of, okay, God's, I feel like I want to do something with my life. I began to realize I got to say something. And when you begin to say something that has life on it, that's anointed, that has clarity, really, I think favor comes when you're the best you are, wherever you are. So if you begin to, to cultivate what God's put on your life in an authentic, healthy, passionate way, people are drawn. They want to hear it. They want to know what you did. So for in my world, that's how it began. And one passion that I've always had is we've got to help other communicators because I'll, I'll go to places and one of the questions I get or an email every week I'll get is, how are you doing what you're doing? How did you begin to be a communicator? Right. And what I I have to go back to the fact that I would come home and in the living room, I had a master communicator that I could say, this happened to me and I hated it. Or what do I do here? I don't know. What does the Bible mean about this? And you would help me unpack that, which I think was critical to my development. Um, but also not just here's how you can solve that, but also that's a really normal struggle. You would in terms say, have, that's normal, but this is maybe some angles you want to look at it. And it was really empowering to me. So we started having this conversation a year ago and I said, I want to raise up other communicators. Now I, you know, I had some insecurity about that because I'm not super educated. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, really articulate and, um, can kind of wow you with my academics. I don't have that, but what I did, I have to go back to the beginning, which is, you know, someone out there is like me, who has a heart to do something like me um, and doesn't know how to do it. And there are, there are keys to doing that. They may not know how, but I know I can get them maybe from A to B. I can't get them to Z. There'll be other maybe courses and educators and communicators and people that will get them there, but I can get them to one step. And I, looking back at my own life, 
it wasn't the one person that said, come this way and gave me a complete sentence. It was like, okay, that book gave me the next word and that, right. that message gave me the next word and right. it allowed me to have a complete picture of my life and what God was doing. So, you know, if you're out there listening to this and you're like, I feel like I have a heart to preach. I have, I have a heart to communicate. I, I don't know. I want to write a book. I, I feel like there's more. There's, I've got a, a story that I'd love to turn from pain to power to promise to pathways for people. I really want to encourage them with that. So we kind of sat down, not to like, you know, uh, prolong that idea, but we sat down and began to say, could we do this? Right. And so we put together this kind of sloppy uh, outline of, okay, this is what I would want people to know. If they were prepping a message, how do you pick a title? How do you pick a subject? How do you study the word? What's an illustration? What, you know, how do you, how do you steward a spontaneous moment? And all of these things, as we begin to compare notes, we realized, oh my gosh, yeah. we're doing the same thing, right. but not, we didn't know that. Right. Would you remember that? Yes, We'd absolutely. sit there and be like, what? Yes. And realized, and we always had these moments where we'd laugh and say, you did that too? And uh, we realized that was part of it. So we kind of began to hash out this course. And uh, so, you know, one of the reasons I wanted you on this podcast was I talk about you in my po- in this course. I I know you've your hands are all over this, your fingerprints are all over this course. But one thing, you know, as a communicator is why would you want to help communicators? And you know, what was something that you kind of struck you as you began to write this course with me, where you thought this is what people really need? Right. You know, in the Bible, in John. It says, in the beginning was the Word. <laughs> yeah. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So God's a communicator. I mean, if anything, He's had something to say when He said, let there be. And so He gives us that grace. We're creating His image and likeness. He gives us that passion to communicate His heart. And He has the words of eternal life. He does. Um, he said, if you continue in my words, uh, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you've been set free and that's real, then y- you want to get as many people free as you can, in particular in the way, in the dimensions you've been set free. In other words, because I was suicidal. I've had a special passion my whole life for suicidal people or right. father wounds. You know, I do... You wrote a book on yeah, father wounds. Yeah, but I wrote, I do group ministry for people... Uh, in group homes who struggle with debilitating addictions for years, for decades, do that. So your passion, your conviction will come um, and bring you to a place where I will do anything to crawl over walls, to tunnel into people's hearts, to help them in the areas that I struggled with. And so that, that, you know, you, I think even your struggles in communication, in your as I've heard your testimony many times, you know, sitting in a class, not having the right answer, didn't want to be called on, didn't want to be the person who had to speak up. And all of a sudden, you know, in the backseat of that car when you were 17 and you spoke up, you finally broke through and you said to those other guys in the yeah. car, um, you know, I've got a call on my life. Right. So it, it birthed out of the ground. These shoots of life came out. Right. And that's what we're looking for. What has God done in the lives of people that are listening to you. Right. Uh, a transformed life is irrefutable. You can argue about all kinds of theory, doctrine. My life was changed. Jesus changed my life. So what I would say, if a person's life has not been changed, they'll start representing Jesus. Right. It's like, you know, um, Paul I know, and uh, G- but who are you? When the, the, the guys beat up, the seven sons of Siva beat them up because they didn't have the credential 
to represent Jesus. The number yeah. one thing we need, I need every day. I don't, I don't uh, live on the fumes of yesterday's relationship with God. God allows every day to stop and every new day to begin to saying, okay, today I'm giving you a fresh start. I don't care how good it was, how bad it was yesterday, get a fresh start. And then I'm always having to be drawn into a relationship with God. What what can I receive from you today, Lord, that I could represent you in a genuine, authentic way? Right. And that could be our kids, our spouses. I right. mean, anywhere we go. And you guys that are listening, clearly I lived with a preacher. Clearly my dad is an anointed communicator. And I'm so honored to have him here today. And for those of you that are wondering, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm a youth group leader. I'm a, I lead my women's group or I have a heart to communicate. I don't know how to start. Or maybe you're just a, you're actually a pastor's wife or a senior pastor of your church. And you know, I would love more help in the communication world. I'd love to know that I'm not missing anything. I'd love some real practical tools and how to prep a message. You know, as a communicator, sometimes we have just legitimate dread of, I've got to figure this out. It doesn't mean we hate the Bible or what we do. It's just just the daunting part of prepping something that we want to, we want lives to be changed. So if you're interested in that, um, and those of you that aren't just disregard this, but those of you that are, you can go to the influencer table.com. That's three words, theinfluencertable.com. And over there, you'll find there's two courses that we've prepared. One of them is available currently. That is prepping a message. Prepping a message is currently available. There's one that will be dropped in January of 2019, and that is how to deliver a message. These are our tricks, everything you want, you want to know about prepping a message and delivering a message. This is everything we know. Like there is no other, there's nothing else. If you email me and say, I want to, I want to have a cup of coffee and talk to you about speaking, I will say, no, <laughs> I'm not going to go to coffee with you because I just poured my life into this course and it is everything you want to know. My dad has 45 years of message prep. I've had 20 years of message prep combined 65 years of prepping messages in, uh, in, in youth groups, women's groups, uh, Sunday morning services, group homes, prison ministry. Right. It's all there. This is how we do it. And, and again, you can't teach anointing. You can't teach heart. You can't teach character. Those are things you have to cultivate on yourself. But I'd rather you spend the majority of your time working and cultivating anointing, favor, integrity, character, and let us do the rest of it. Let us teach you how to do the rest of that. So if you're interested, that is there. And if you are like, yeah, I want to purchase that, um, I want to give my podcasters, my podcast family, a little promo code. And that is if you type in podcast in that promo code section, I'll give you 20% off just for being a part of our family. And again, that's lifetime access. Anytime you want to learn it, it's 24 hours a day. You can pop in and, and learn it. And you have access to it for the lifetime of the course, which is hopefully forever until Jesus comes back. But I want to thank you, Dad, for popping into my podcast my today. Joy, I, love, I love you so much. Thank you, sweetheart. And I can't wait. You know, a lot of you, maybe if you already have the Crash Course to Communication um, series, then you're in our Facebook group and my dad's over there talking to you. Now you can hear a voice to who he is. And a little known secret, you might go, gosh, his voice sounds familiar. <laughs> the reason it sounds familiar is he's on K-Love and Air One. How many times a day? A couple times a day? Uh, a few times every day, every a few couple, times. two or three hours. And I'm how many? K Love at this point. Yeah, at this point, and how many years? 
uh, be nine years starting next year. So nine years, you'll hear him say, France Sanfuso, 90 Seconds of Hope, uh, you'll, or 60 Seconds 60 of Hope. Seconds, yeah. you'll, you'll hear him on that. So if you heard that, you'll know him. But stick around. You'll get to know him a lot more as we continue in raising up influencers and teaching you. We're going to do... Oh, Dad, I want to do a podcast on female communicators. Come on, I love Would it. you like that? I know you, you know, you used to like this, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love you guys. Have a great day. Don't forget to give us a shout out on all the socials. I'm there almost every day. Again, thanks for a couple minutes of your time, and I'll catch you next time. Bye bye.